Um, and that first time I won a fight, I was like, oh my God, right, nothing has ever compared to this. And I don't think anything ever, ever will ever, no drug, no, no anything will ever compare to it. Even now, still after fighting for 22 years, it's still the same feeling when I win a fight. The high is still, it's still like exactly the same. Um, it's going to be a sad day when I have to retire, to be fair. I'm going to have to mm. probably end up on Crystal Meth or something, trying to chase the high, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Science of Building Champions podcast, where I chat to top-level fighters and coaches and dive into their stories to discover what makes them champions. And today, I have the honor to speak with Liam Harrison, eight times world champion, uh, current UK number one, and has been for like 18 years or something, renowned Muay Thai coach in his own right and worldwide with his on the seminar circuit and online, and more recently host of the Kicking It with Liam Harrison podcast as well. So great to have you join me today, Liam. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you for having me, mate. <laughs> I've been getting loads of messages with people really excited because you're coming on. So uh, I can't wait to get to get chatting to you on this one. You've, um, I, this point <laughs> I mean, you've achieved so much in the sport and for such a long time, you know, and it's a really hard wearing sport as well. So what you've done is really incredible. And I think people can learn a hell of a lot from you. Um, but let's, let's do a huge rewind right back to, to where you started, what your story is, and how you actually got started in Muay Thai. I mean, it was, were you like 13 years old or something? Yeah, I was 13. I was playing a lot of uh, football at the time. And my cousin, Andy Alson, who's also a very well-renowned fighter now, five-time world champion, he just started. Um, so he said, oh, do you want to come down, try it out? And I found it really helping me fitness. Because it was just like a fitness thing for Andy at first. Um, he said it might help with football, be a bit of self-defence. Uh, I'm from a bit of a rough council estate, so if, like, if you can't fight where, from, where I'm from, like, you just get eaten alive on streets and stuff. <laughs> so I thought, oh, yeah, probably it's a, it's a good idea. Uh, so I went down, and in one session, I just fell in love straight away. Um, like The first session I went down, like just kicking the pads and stuff like that, I thought, oh, yeah, this is amazing. It wasn't until about three, four weeks in when I got to spar, though, for the first time, and I thought, holy shit, this is even better now, like getting to spar and stuff like that. And then I was just in love with it and obsessed with it from then. And that that was right from the word go at Bad Company with Richard Smith. Yeah, yeah. I've been at Bad Company my whole career, under, fighting under Richard and training under Richard for 22 years now. Yeah. And and right from the early days, I mean, so that was a full-time gym. And that was that was some years ago now as well, wasn't it? When I started, I think it was year two, what year are we in now, 2020? I must have started in 1999 or 98 or something like that. Right. Uh, and even then when I started, the gym was full of like, we had British champions, Commonwealth champions, top level fighters um, still then. Richard himself was European champion. His wife was European champion who then went on to be world champion, Lisa Allen. So even then, obviously, I was around a lot of good level fighters. And when I, I went, to, I started going to the fighters class after like a month, me and Andy. <laughs> Even though I was only 13, 14, I was pretty big for my age, even though I'm a freaking midget now. I was pretty big when I were, I were like this side, this height when I was 13, 14. Right. Or maybe just a little bit. So I was still pretty big for my age. So I couldn't spar with any of the kids or all. So I was always joining with adults. And even like, I don't think someone realised how young I actually was because I got fucking pasted in a few times on some of them. But yeah, I loved it. Do you know what I mean? So like when you're sparring with people who are a lot more experienced, a lot older, when I was getting in ring and fighting like, 
well, he only ever happened a couple of times because I ended up fighting men most of my career, most of my junior career. Mm. When I first had my first few fights against other juniors, well, other 13, 14 year olds, you were a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Easy. I'm guessing they were all training with other kids and stuff like that, but I was just training with adults and with the fighters and with the, the British champions, the Commonwealth champions, the top level guys. I was getting pasted every day in sparring. But I was loving it. So when I fought some of my own age, you were like, oh, this is easy. This is downhill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and did, you were like 17, weren't you, when you actually picked up that UK number one spot. Is that right? Yeah, I was 17 uh, against Yogendra Parekh at 59 kilo. Right. And then at 61 kilo, I beat Matthew Johnson when I was 18. So I took them both 17 and 18. Yeah. And you, you never dropped off the number one spot there? No, I lost to Charlie Peters, but that were up at 67 kilo and he didn't even make weight or anything. I never made a big deal out of that fight. Yes. Because that for him, that was the pinnacle of his career beating me. And he didn't even make weight or anything. It was like, and 67 kilos way too big for me, to be fair. I didn't really care, so I thought I'll let him have his moment. I won't talk about him not making weight and kick off and make a big fuss out of it. Mm. That him for that moment meant everything for him. I've had about twenty moments like that in my career. It's been so long and so I had so many big fights and so many big wins. I just thought, you know what, let him have it. I'm not going to moan about it because I don't like fighting it this way anyway. I only walk around at sixty nine. Yeah. So when I'm fighting at sixty seven, those guys are coming down from seventy five. I only ever fight about where when someone throws a lot of money at me. Like yeah. the last fight, we're down at 63.5 kilos, which is what I'm comfortable at. It's at four kilos. It's a big jump. I've got a few losses on my record in my career. Most of them, they, well, a lot of them have come when I fought at 67 against people like Mohamed Kamal, uh, Bubba Sacco, Peters and stuff like that. Yeah. It's when I've just jumped. There's been a lot of money at stake. Although I should probably should have won the Mohamed Kamal fight. Um, I've had some good wins at that weight as well, don't get me wrong, because it's easy for me. To um to make the weight, I'm usually pretty pretty strong. But when you're fighting someone who's coming down from 75 kilos, and I'm coming from 69 to 67, it's the too big. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a lot for me. That's why I enjoy fighting on one championship, 65 kilos division. But you have to be hydrated when you weigh in. You do a piss test. Oh, do test they? And if your piss is not clear, like is it under 250 pH, whatever? I don't know what the, what the measure it in, but yes. the, the measure it was between. Anything under 250 is a pass. Anything yeah. over 250, you fail. Right. Um, so you you know when you fight at 65 kilo on that, you know people are coming down from 75 kilo. You're fighting someone who's the same size as you. And that, that's why I like fighting in that weight division. I, I make it easy. Like my last fight in England without the weight cut, I did at 63.5. So if I ever fight outside of one championship now, I'll make sure it's 63.5 kilos because that's I'm comfortable that way. If I fight in one championship, 65 hydrated. I'll never jump up to 67 again. I just don't need to do that at this point in my career. Um, I don't need the money. And I've, I didn't, I've fought all the best level guys. It's not like I need to jump up to like yeah. up my reputation anymore or anything. I've done stuff like that in my whole career. I've even fought at 70 kilos. I fought Jabber Askarov at 70 kilos and and a few mm. other... I fought Pitch Morricot at 70 kilos on a week's notice. <laughs> so I've done all the crazy shit like that. I don't think I need to do it anymore. Yeah. And, and I mean... I think all fighters play around to to find out what their truly competitive weight is. You, you kind of don't really know, do you, until you try it. I mean, you you know when it's naturally too heavy. But yeah, my lowest my lowest I thought it was fifty seven. The highest is seventy. So I've had a big, a bit a long like jumping. Uh, yeah, coming up and going low, coming high. Yeah, settled at the happy medium. You know where that is. You've had so many yeah. fights to kind of figure that out. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It does. It does depend as well, like you said, about what the the actual weighing procedure is for that particular championship or competition. So, like like with one championship, you kind of have to find another weight that you're kind of happy with under these constraints. This is this is where I'm most competitive. Yeah, because like when I first found out about that, I said you got to weigh in hydrated. I'm like, oh my god, can I do that? Is that a thing? And then mm. I thought you were. Yeah, did it easy. Like I've, I've thought of that way twice now, and I've made weight easy both times, no problems. You have to weigh in two days in a row as well. Oh. You don't just weigh in one day. You weigh in if you're fighting on the Friday, which is what most one championship shows are. You weigh in on the Wednesday, hydrated. Then you'll go away. You'll eat a little, little bit. But then you come back and you weigh in again on the Thursday, hydrated. And you have to make weight both times and pass the hydration both times. That's how you know you're going to be fighting someone who's the same size as you. There's no way for them to just go away and yeah. pile up the way back on. That's it. Can't You can't be too distorted then. Yeah. You, yeah. It sounds a really good setup. Yeah, it is. You know, you know it's, everyone's like at the weigh-ins. You see all the fighters and they're all healthy and bouncing around and got energy and stuff. You don't like see them coming in like, oh, or weight drain because you know they've been in corner for fucking three hours trying to make the weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, all that. All that. Yeah. And that, that transition then, because you, you're also... You know, these days, everyone's known of you as not just a fighter, but a coach as well. How did the, the coaching side of it come around for you? I've always done like the odd PT in the gym, bad company and stuff. Um, it was, I, I must have been about 20... I'd just beat Nampon PK Stereo for uh, WMC World Title. He was a Rajdamner number one. I knocked him out. And uh, someone came up to me after the fight. I'm only 21 or something. Do you do seminars? And I'd never done one. And it wasn't really like a thing at the time. There weren't many people doing it. Right. Uh, so I said, oh, yeah, I can do, yeah. Um, didn't really know what we're doing. It was a bit of trial and error at first. I just turned up, threw a few people on the floor. I went, yeah, but, all right. <laughs> and obviously the word got out and the more social media came out, then it started to get a little bit more like easy to pick them up and stuff. But it started when I was like 21 and then I left. I had like a little part-time crappy driving job, like at 3, 3 a.m. till 7 a.m. every morning. I was still fighting, so I'd go to bed early, drive 3 till 7, and then come back home, sleep for two more hours, up at the gym, sleep for the afternoon, back to the gym at night. So that were heavy. I just wanted to get rid of that. Um, and then I started doing more PTs. The fighting money started getting better. My reputation started getting known. And then the seminars started coming thick and fast after that. Once social media came around, like Facebook, Instagram, and then once the word got out, people said, oh, that looks good. Yeah. Um, and now I think I'd like to think that I've like paved the way for a lot of the other fighters in this country because there's more fighters than me just doing it now. At one point, it was just me doing them all just, oh, everywhere. Now there's other top-level fighters like McGowan, Haggerty, uh, Danny Trainer does a lot as well. Um, I like to think I've paved the way for a lot of them because there weren't many people doing it at the time, but... Now I think social media and stuff, and it's a it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and you've you've managed to kind of transition as well from those in personal uh, in person seminars to now doing like your online program as well, haven't you? And all all the all the features you've got there, which especially these days with the pandemic, you know, that's that's something else that you're kind of paving the way with that too. Yeah, um, well, I started that because I was getting so many messages saying, "I want to come to your seminars. How do I learn from you? What can I do?" I fly all the way to England just to do like a one-to-one with you and stuff like this, not from people around Europe and Australia and America. Right, yeah. And I did a seminar a seminar about two and a half years ago. Well, I did a seminar in England, down London, and a guy came up to me afterwards. He went, mate, that were amazing, but there were too many techniques. I forgot most of them. Can I go to your website and catch up? I said, oh, I don't have a website. 
He said, what? You don't have a website? I said, no, mate. I said, I've never even thought about it. He said, well, lucky for you, it's your lucky day. He said, I'm a, a photographer, a videographer, and a web designer. He said, there's my card. If you ever think about it, hit me up. So I just sat there, and I've done a few more seminars over the last, next couple of weeks, and someone else asked me, have you got a website? And I thought, you know what? I need to get on with this guy. So I messaged him, and then he came up to have dinner with me in Leeds, and a week later, we went into production, and then I think we've had nearly 11,000 members now worldwide. That's brilliant. But yeah, yeah. having having that kind of resource for people, like you say, because you kind of, I mean, I've found exactly the same thing. Um, <laughs> nowhere near on the same level or scale here, but you, if you're imparting kind of lots of information, you can kind of deliver so much in person, but there's always that, I've, if they're doing it, they can't sit and write it down. There are people yeah. sometimes videoing it, but that having some something that's structured to kind of deliver that again, that's rehearsal for them, um, or even like you're, I guess you're doing now, it's structured so that it actually delivers it outright. It's not even a reminder now. It shows them how to do it right, right from the, from scratch. That's that's something yeah. that's really valuable. Yeah, and I, I've, like I see a lot of instructors using it as well, and you know, gym owners and stuff like that. If they can't like think of a lesson plan, they can just go on there, have a little quick look, put a few things, and think right, a few techniques there, I can bake a full lesson around that. Yeah. I get so many messages off instructors and coaches saying, you know what, it's such an amazing tool. Like if I'm having like a, a blank day in the end and I can't think of a lesson, I just go on your website, have a look at a few techniques and then I'll base a full lesson around like say leg kicks or sweeps or there's so many sections on there. I think we've got nearly 600 videos on there now at the minute and like other guest instructors like Andy and McGowan and Jordan Watson and Richard Smith and so there's a lot of, a lot of uh, really a lot of information on there really. Well, you, you know, in bad company there, you've got a lot of people to kind of pick from as well and it's really great that you're, you're featuring those guys and of course, Richard's letting you use the gym to kind of set it all up in. That's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's been really good for me, like, having all them around me as well, because I, there's, obviously I'm not so arrogant where I think I'm amazing at every technique. I know there's certain stuff that I'm not very good at, but stuff that I'm not that like, good at, Jordan is. Yeah. Stuff that Jordan isn't that good at, Andy is. Stuff that Andy isn't that good at, McGowan is. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, we've, they've all helped me out. There's a little section here and there. And uh, yeah, so he's been uh, really successful. It helps everyone else kind of try stuff on as well, doesn't it? You know, they've, they've all got their, their styles and they, they might suit one of those other guys as well and, and the way they approach things. That's, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen like there's quite a few other fighters who are starting similar stuff to it now and getting their own websites and stuff. So I like to think I've paved the way for, yeah. for that kind of thing as well. Yeah. That exactly. It's, it's the whole the whole online side is well, especially right now. It's it's where everyone's trying to move, and um, yeah. I think I think it's valuable if it's done well. You know, yes, yeah. yeah. Good I've been lucky. The guy who's done my website is he's really really good. So like, I'm really happy with how the website is. All the filming is like pristine, top quality. Like like it's not like just half assed on a on a mm. shitty phone camera or something like that. It's all done really, really well and stuff. So I'm really happy with how it's how it's all set out and stuff. And I've just put a, a brand new website up now as well. So it's all like you can click your favourite videos, you can click the videos you've worked through, you can click which videos you want next. You can like put in like a, a lesson plan basically know what you've gone through and stuff like that. So I'm really happy with how it's all turned out. Yeah, that's good. It's good. It's it's important how it's laid out as well. Uh, having lots of information is one thing, but being able to bloody navigate through it and and there's so much stuff on there, like nearly six hundred videos now. If you, it's all just all over the place, you can just get bored of like scrolling through it all. You need something that's just like bang, 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 bang. Especially if you're doing it like in the middle of a class, 
and you're like, oh, just train him with a friend and you've got the phone at the side, you think, right, we'll work this. And then if it's something that comes after that and then you've got to scroll out and go everywhere around the side to find it, they're going to lose interest. Yeah. It just needs to be like, bap, 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 easy to use, straight to the point. And uh, I think it, it is. It takes a bit of trial and error to get there, doesn't it? But it's you, you yeah, settle yeah. on something that works. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's still relatively a new site. It's only two years old. Mm. Um, but to say how well it's done in two years, nearly 11,000 signups is yeah. crazy, really. That's impressive. And still, yeah, and it's still growing all the time, and I'm still adding new stuff to it. And um, I think it's, as whenever I learn something new, I think, right, I'll put that straight on my website. Because it's, in this sport, I'm learning stuff every day, still, even though I've been training for 22 years. Yeah. So as soon as I learn something, everyone who's a member will learn, learn that as well. Because as soon as I think about it, I think, wow, that's new. I'll jot it down, I'll teach that on my site. And then there's obviously all the stuff that I've used in my career where I can put fight footage back to it. But as I'm still evolving as a coach, as a fighter, I'm still learning as well. So anything that I do learn, I'll jot it down and I'll go straight in there as well. Yeah. Let's dig into your into your why then. You know, what what is it that you love and appreciate about Muay Thai that you, right from the start, what sort of drew you into it? Everything. Um, <laughs> like I said, the first time when I was sparring, I thought, wow, it's amazing. Like the first time I had a fight um, the the rush that I got from it um, I'm a bit of like a high junkie I, I always want to get like find the, the high and I, you know what I mean I, I chase that high no matter what I'm doing when I played football before this I, were, I was always like the best in the team and I, if another good player came in I was always so competitive where I still wanted to up my game more so I'd be I'd be better than him I were always like the top scorer in the leagues as well right. so if I ever like I'd always do look at the the, the paper like because all juniors were in it, and I always would look at the top scorer. And if it was some kid from another team, I'm, I'd get mad and I'd want to know better. I'm very competitive, and like I say, I'm always chasing the high, my high junkie. Um, and that first time I won a fight, I was like, oh my god, right, nothing has ever compared to this. And I don't think anything ever, ever will ever. No drug, no no anything will ever compare to it. Even now, still after fighting for 22 years, it's still the same feeling when I win a fight. The high is still, it's still like exactly the same. Um, it's going to be a sad day when I have to retire. To be fair, I'm going to have to mm. probably end up on crystal meth or something, trying to chase a high. <laughs> <I'm telling you. laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's that. It's just that chasing that high and always bettering myself. And I just, I just love every, literally everything about the sport. Everything. I love the fighting. I love the coaching. I love the training. I just love pushing myself. I love working with all the other amazing fighters in our gym and sparring with them and I love like coaching and watching other people do something in a fight that you've shown them and go oh it worked oh, and that that's just makes me have a, that's like a high as well do you know what I mean like if you show someone or you work train with someone for a fight and work some tactics and you show them something and then they go do it in their fight and it works for them and you see how buzzing they are and then that's another high so like that's the good thing about it. Like when I do retire and I don't, I can't get the high no more myself. That the coaching does it for me as well. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's a, it's a good thing really because I probably will end up on smack. Like <laughs> you know, so <laughs> at least I have somewhere to focus all my energy to. It's a it's a big gap to fill, isn't it? It it really is. Um, and is that what you kind of appreciate now about the sport that you perhaps didn't at the beginning? This this whole being able to sort of coach others. What what is different? about what you appreciate um, about Muay Thai now from, from right at the beginning? You know what? Like, you, a fighter's got a shelf life and I didn't really seem to realise this until um, 35 now and you think, shit, I haven't got long left here. Yeah. Even though I feel fitter, stronger, faster, sharper than I ever did in any of my 20s and I'm still at the highest level there is, 
um, which is unheard of, really. But the first time I fought an elite-level tie, I were 18. I've been fighting ties since I was 17. And the first time I fought an elite-level one, I were 18. And that was 17 years ago, and I'm still doing it now. Um, but, yeah, I used to think, oh, it's all right. And I didn't realise that one day this is going to stop. And I do now, um, which is why I'm, I do a lot of coaching and stuff like that. But I, I want to... It's why I'm pissed off about all this COVID shit and we can't have a fight here right at minute. Yeah. I'm in the peak now in my career and I know I ain't got long left. I feel like it's being pulled away from me and people are stealing precious time off me. And I know I'm not in like, the worst situation that some people are. Um, but yeah, that's what's been doing me in about this. Anyway, I totally know. Anything, but yeah, I, 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 like going back to what I appreciate more now, everything, um, just everything, like obviously the coaching side, the SNC side, looking after my body more side. You know, like all the recovery, I do hot yoga and stuff like that now, all, all that sort of stuff, you now to look after myself a little bit better just so I can try and push out just an extra couple of years. See, see Sanchai fight now, he's like 41, and yeah. he's still going strong. John Wayne Parr's 44, he's still going. Seeing down another fighters are like 36, 37, they're still strong. So it's that, like with stuff like that now, like looking after your body and all the different stuff I do to recover now, and that's going to push me I think I'll I think I'll get to like 38 39 before I retire yeah yeah you, you'll know you'll know when you're you're kind of at the point where the, the body's not repairing or, or um, injuries yeah. are just not not diminishing enough in between yeah. I'm sat here with ice on my knee mate <laughs> I'm sat here with ice on my knee <laughs> <laughs> hold on have you got trousers on it's removed about <laughs> I, I did an operation about a seven six no about about 20 months ago, my meniscus tore. Yes. And it tore so bad, it got stuck in my knee joint. I had a fight. I was in Thailand training for a fight, and I tore it, and my leg locked, and then popped back to normal. Yeah. I thought, oh, my God, something was wrong there. I was fighting in five days, though, so I flew back to England, and flew from England to Italy for my fight, and I was praying to God. I was thinking, the guy was fighting, he made a comment in an interview about my low kicks, and he said he's got a trick up his sleeve. It was my left leg that my meniscus went in, and I was praying. I was just thinking, please fight me southpaw. So I go after left kick him. Yeah. Please fight me southpaw. And he came out and he tried to fight me southpaw. And I thought, yes. So all I did was just kick me right, kick me right, kick me right. I threw one left kick because I just forgot. Yeah. My leg, I feel it about to lock. And I thought, oh my God, do not lock because if I fall over it, I'm going to lose the fight here. Yeah. Luckily, I, I didn't. I won the fight pretty easily on points. Went back to the England and then I were in the gym about three days later and I said to Andy, let me try a left kick, see what happens. Threw a left kick, it tore mm. totally, got stuck in my knee joint, my leg locked. It was horrendous pain. I don't know how when people do their ACL and stuff like that, how, how they can like walk around or afterwards because mm. I was in such bad pain. I knew straight away what had happened because I'd already been to see a physio and he said, I think your meniscus is gone. Yeah. I went to the hospital. And they said, yeah, I think your meniscus is gone, but we're going to have to send you for an MRI. I went, go on then. I went, oh, no, you have to go home. And we'll send you. I said, my leg's locked. I said, can we not just get me straight in? So I went home and I was sat around for like three or four days, no letter or anything. And I said, oh, man, I went private. So I messaged my sport doctor who sorts out all the lumps on my hand and injects my hands for me and stuff. Yeah. I messaged him. He come up, came up, he had a look. He said, right, we can't leave you with your leg locked. Like this. He said, this is like, you should have been seen straight away and sorted. So we're on crutches. Within a day, he'd sent me to an MRI. Within a, two days, he looked at it all and said, yeah, it's stuck. It's ripped off, it's stuck. Within a week, I was in surgery. So I was lucky, really. By the time I'd had surgery, and two weeks into my recovery after surgery, I finally got a letter from NHS saying, oh, we can come for your MRI now. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's what that is, man. My knee just sometimes, it just sometimes like balloons up. And just, you know, from just, well, I'm guessing it's overtraining, I'm guessing. Just sometimes just loads of fluid comes around it. I'm guessing it's to protect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You end up with angry areas that just get inflamed because they've they've been yeah, through yeah, it. Yeah. Sometimes it goes so swollen that I just can't walk properly. So I was training earlier, and now it's just really swollen. So time to get some ice on it, get it down a bit. Yeah, it's what it is, mate. I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> so why why do you fight? You know, despite all these years and the, and the struggles, why do you continue to fight right now? Uh, I, I, I love it. It's still in me. I see it's still the first thing I think about when I wake up and the last thing I think about before I go to bed. Um, I still, when I'm out on my runs, if I, when I'm out running, if I'm not visualising about a fight, I think that's time to retire. Because when I'm running, I'm trying to think how the, how the fight will play out or who I want to fight. Or I'm always got it in my head. I don't have to run with music. A lot of people need music when they run. I don't. I just visualise fighting and that just pushes me on to run harder. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't ever see that going away. I'm, I'm a, I am a fighter, and it's what I do. I like entertaining crowds. I'm a bit of a show off as well, which is why a reason I don't want to fight at the minute behind closed doors with no crowds there because I've only ever done that once before. Right. I fought terrible. I didn't fight very well. Do you know what I mean? So I don't really want to do that at the minute. I will do if I have to because I'm desperate to fight at the minute. But um, so we'll see what happens early next year because that's when I want to fight. Mm. Hopefully, there's some crowds allowed back by then, but probably not. So we'll see. So I will do it if I have to. But like I said, I'm a bit of a show off. I like having a crowd there. The crowd spurs me on. Yeah. Especially the way I fight. I fight hard. I fight aggressive. And when the crowd are enjoying it, that makes me fight harder. It makes me fight better. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You feed off that energy. It's 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 like the the crowd watching the fireworks. The ooh and the ah, the ahs go off when you're when you're banging. Yeah. Them. yeah. <laughs> and like I said, the high, the buzz, the the winning. Yeah, um, like you said, I'll know when it's time to stop because if I know I'm in a position where I not no chance of me getting that high anymore, if I can't do it, yeah, more be playing, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I guess when you you reach that point where you're thinking I'm I'm not getting that win now, that yeah, that's like yeah. Mm. Okay, that's that's what I'm there for that buzz, you know what I yeah. mean? So. <laughs> I mean, you you talked about sort of being a, a bit of a, a show off, and you feel like that that actually helps with your with your fight performance. But um, what do you think makes a, a champion? What do you think are the most important traits? Discipline, heart. Um, you obviously need some form of talent, but like those are the two things that can't be taught. You can't teach someone heart, and you can't teach someone discipline. Everything else can be taught. Yeah. I was shit my first. 10 fights probably my technique was shit but I was fit I was strong and I'm trained hard and I like it I went my first 29 pro fights unbeaten I didn't lose um, that was because I always trained hard I was always the first one through the doors and the last one to leave so that's why I was always so successful obviously when you get to that elite level after I did run 29 fights and I started fighting stadium champion ties you need a little bit more than just being tough and having heart and yeah. training harder than everyone else because you do need to get that little bit of extra something then. Um, but yeah, I think discipline, heart, determination, those are the qualities a champion needs because those are the qualities that you can't teach. Yeah, 100%. I really agree with that. It's that You can work through a lot of stuff, can't you? If you persevere long enough to find out that trial and error, you, you end up in the right place. Whereas those that kind of give up a bit prematurely aren't yeah. experimenting enough. They kind of give up at the first failure rather than I'll get up again and try again. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
And do you think that's what the difference is between like you and perhaps other people that um, have had the same opportunities you have, but haven't gone as far as you have? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of fighters come and go over the years while I've been fighting and people saying, oh, he's the next big thing. He's the next big thing. And I can look at him once and say, no, oh, yeah. because I know I've seen it. I've done it myself and I've seen other people do it and just think, oh, you know, and I've seen them drop off and I've seen them get that close and then drop off and you never heard of them again. Seen it happen. Um, as again, I suppose it comes down to how bad do you really want it, I suppose. And if you only want it a little bit, then you're not, you're not going to, that's not enough to take you to that highest top level. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of the times um, when I'm speaking to people, we've been talking about sort of habits really and if you've i mean you've got the habit where you you just dig in all the time it's like you're always pushing back against whatever's trying to hold you back and that's your default and it's kind of like that's that's the way you do you feel like you that is the way you approach pretty much everything that that comes at you whether it's outside of muay thai as well yeah um you can't be afraid to like fail in anything in life, really. You just got to keep pushing and keep going. You could say I failed my way to success, really, because I've lost a lot of big fights, but I've won a lot more big fights than I've lost. But obviously, I've lost a lot of important fights, but that's what's made me come back and train harder and train different and try and improve my game and stuff like that. So, like when I won the WMC title when I was 21 against the Rajan number one fighter which at the time, no one in England was beating elite-level ties like that. The first fight against him, I lost. Right. I thought, I was, and I was sure I won. The whole crowd was sure I won. All the ties were sure I won, but I lost. And I suppose I could have thrown my toys out. I promise, talked about that. I said, right, get me a rematch. I said, if you could judge going to do that, I said, I'll knock him out next time. <laughs> uh, and I fought twice before it, and then I had a rematch with him, and I knocked him out. <laughs> yeah. But that's just the mindset. I just, I thought, right, I'll knock him out next time then. And I did, luckily. <laughs> I um I had a question posted on in uh, my community forum. There's a guy asking about doing press ups and whether that would kind of interfere with the strength and conditioning that I had him doing. You know, doing the, the many many press ups that you you end up doing um in a in a typical Muay Thai session and all the sit ups and all the rest of it. And he was then talking about how some of the other fighters or a lot of the other fighters do those little partial ones where they're just kind of bouncing. Um, and what were the merits of doing that versus everything else? And my, my kind of opinion on that was that um, the full range is better rather than just doing yeah, the little well, springy ones. Well, well, shit. Yeah. Well, shit ones. The, <laughs> well, I can see how you can you work. Uh, the tie, the tie style, one of the ties get down to the... Yeah. <laughs> and I was trying to... Well, I, you know what I like? Because ties don't like doing S&C and stuff like that. They yeah. all like to kick the pads far and do it, keep it basic like... To do. You tell them to do press ups and SNC. I know it's getting there now a little bit. There's a lot more SNC yes. going on in Thailand. But like, if you'd have told a Thai to do SNC 15, 20 years ago, they'd go, no. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what That's I mean? it. Yeah. yeah. It's extra work and it's making them tired, yeah. so they don't like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but um, my, my point with that one was that, you know, it's you can either do a little partial one that I, I can see there's a little bit of benefit to doing some like plyometric little springy bits in there. I'm kind of thinking of the sort of sports yeah. science behind it. But to be honest, there's much better ways of doing that. Doing full range is, is the real benefit. Um, the reason why people do those is because they're probably given 50, 60, a hundred push-ups to do. And they're like, well, if I do full range, I can't do that many. So they're kind of like doing those little ones. But so my, my advice to him was like, for me personally, my, my kind of core values are that, or my self identity is I'm not someone who half asses things 
and quits. So I will do a full push up and I will just do as many of those a proper form as I can do rather than half assing a load of them. Because then I, and yeah, yeah. you don't quite know then if, if you do more than another time, have I got better or did I do less or more half-assed ones? It's kind of like, if you've got the attitude as you do it right and you do it as much as you can do, that becomes like your habit in every bit of training. Of course, it's not just that. It's about every way of life. That should be stuff like that. Do it properly. If you're cooking yourself a nice Sunday dinner, you won't think, oh, mashed potatoes take ages. So I'll just do them shit, but I'll do everything nice. Do you know what I mean? You do it yeah. all correctly, so it's all a big, nice dinner. When you do have one, one half of it, you think, oh, it takes a bit long, that, so I'm not doing it. That's yeah. how it should be with everything in life. Do it properly or don't do it. Yeah. And, and it's, it becomes, that becomes a habit, doesn't it? If you're kind of like the half-assed person, when it, when it push comes to shove, that's kind of like, that's a, a path you kind of default down. When that's not your mindset, when you're like, no, go in, do it properly, that's, that's a, a big difference, isn't it, as a habit. And you've, you've, you've obviously got that habit of just straight on every time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I've got to try and do it with everything in life. Like um, I've got my website, uh, brought out clothing brand and stuff like that. I'm trying to make sure everything's done like perfect. Um, I got asked the other day about the clothing brand. Someone said, oh, we can have this on ASOS for you now if you want. Right. I thought, wow, that's, mass, that's massive. And I said, no, I'm not ready. I said, I want it perfect when it goes on there. I said, come back to me in January. But I said, I don't want it to go on half fast. I said, I want everything to be perfect before it does. So yeah. You, you, you've got to practice your blue steel a bit more, haven't you, for some of those photographs? Yeah, oh, man. I said to the guy who I'd run it with, with, my best friend, Clint, and I said to him, I said, why are you making me get... I said, we've hired five models here. Why yeah. are you... He said, we've got a face of it. You need to do this. I said, don't you fucking dare post these anywhere. And next day, I followed on Instagram. I was like, oh, I followed. I said, just go with it. He said, you post it. I said, I'm not posting that. I said, look at me. But now I post it. I said, I had to post it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear that's that's what that's what happens when you're behind a brand like that mate isn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um let's, let's talk about some some challenges then that you've you've had i mean big long career lots of stuff that's that's happened by the sounds of it um what what are the greatest challenges that you feel that you've had and or obstacles as such and what do you think you've learned from them yeah, I've had a few decent um, bad losses, but I've had to bounce back from. Like the first time when Anoat beat me and he stopped me and he just blasted me to pieces, I said, nah, nah I'm not having that. Um, but that was, that was a tough one. It was the first time I'd ever been stopped in a fight. Um, so I demand, like I said, I demanded a rematch there as well because I knew I could beat him and I knew just something were off that, that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did have the rematch and I put it all right. And I asked for the rematch to be in England in front of all my friends and all my family. And everyone in the UK, because I know I'm getting wrote off, they said, oh, well, look what happened first time. He won't beat him this time. And I did. I beat him comfortably on points. It was probably one of my best wins. Same with Andre Colbin fight, which was one of my best wins. Um, probably one of the best wins a British fighters had, really, that fight and the Anawak fight. That fight with Colbin, everyone wrote me off because, again, I was fighting at 61 to 63 kilos. And that mm. fight was 60, 66.6 against Colbin. And he beat the number one and number two in England at 66.6. And I said, I'll fight him. I said, I'll beat him. I said, no, I'll stop him. And everyone were laughing and they all wrote me off. And I said, I'll stop him. I said, I've looked at his style. I said, my style will work perfect against his. And I did, I stopped him in round three when it, after everyone had wrote me off. Um, that was good. Yeah. Obviously, I had to spring back from injuries. Tough. I've had a few injuries. You helped me with a shoulder injury before. Um, yeah. In the AC joint, that one, I think. You helped me with that. That's one. right, yes. Yeah. My gym, you helped me. That was, uh, I was out for about three months with that my knee operation, I broke my hands before and stuff like bouncing back from injuries, always tough, it's just keeping 
strong, strong mindset and just thinking, I ain't going to last forever. Do what you need to do to look after yourself. Um, heal up properly, come back stronger. And yeah, you can sit around moaning about it or you can work around it. I remember when I fought Tetsuo Yamamoto for um, the Yokao world title. He was a really strong, tough Japanese fighter. I brought my hand. This fight were in March. I brought my hand in December. And then two weeks later, I had an operation to put a metal plate in it. And my hand was in a like a claw, not to hold it in place. Yeah. Um, they said to me, right, three months and then you can start training again. I said, I don't think so. I said, I'm fighting in three months. Oh, no, I'm fighting in two and a half months. <laughs> so I did 10, 10 weeks of training camp with my hand in a claw cast. The last two weeks, I took it off and did two weeks normally. And then I thought, it's all yeah. mindset. Like, this is like the strongest weapon you've got. As long as you believe up here, it will happen. Yeah. And it's... I, I think you, you learn to trust yourself as well, don't you? If, you? if you kind of push and you find that, despite what everyone else might be thinking or saying, that you've actually succeeded again, that kind of builds like a mental momentum, doesn't it? That you, you're yeah. able to do this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I say, I've, um, I believe in myself as well, 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you honestly kind of feel that it, you're, you're going to be fighting, literally, until you've kind of obliterated yourself. <laughs> and I mean, you're not winning anymore pile of, a pile of fucking dust on floor mate there'll be no left of me I'll just be a pair of eyeballs and that's it I'll just be all dust and, but I will keep going until I literally can't do it anymore like, I like people enjoying my fights yeah. when people start saying oh Liam Harrison's lost it a bit then that, that'll be enough for me I don't want people to think I'm past it I want them to enjoy my fights I want to fight hard and I want to have wars and I want people to go wow Liam Harrison even if I'm not the main event on the show in like one of the one championship shows I want to be the person Everyone walks out of the building and goes, "Fucking hell, Liam Harrison's fight were amazing." Do you know what I mean? And then when that stops, then then it's time to. Then I know it'll be time to call it a day. I mean, your style, mate. It's it's win or lose. Just lovely to watch you. You're in there to, I'm to fight. At, I'm looking get this far the way I fight. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try every now and then to have like a fight where I'm just a little bit technical and save myself. But the majority of them, it's just like fucking. <laughs> You've got, you've got Sanchai kind of making everything miss and he's, he's yeah. lasting well. And then you're, you're lasting and you're just like the, yeah. the war machine. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, hit me. I'll hit you back harder. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's how we win. I, I hit you more often yeah. and harder than, than you hit me. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, I mean, how has your, your fight preparation changed from the beginning to, to now? Uh, obviously when I was younger, it was just like, SNC and recovery and stuff it wasn't about really um, I've brought more SNC in now obviously age with injuries it helps with strength it helps with being more explosive and stuff like that um, but that's only over the last 10 years maybe that I've brought that in since I've been like 25 or something up until then it was just like keep the pads go running spa do some press ups do some sit ups do some pull ups that proper tie style I didn't really know too much about all like the different types of movements and getting out to be more explosive and stuff like that. Um, but as you get older, you train smarter, you get wiser and you become more experienced and you gain more knowledge. So obviously as I've got older and I wish like when I were 18 or what all these kids have got now were available to me because I think what would I have been like because I were already like a, a top, top level. Mm. But, if I have, but obviously that's just how it is, isn't it? Um, no point saying what if and shoulda, woulda, coulda and all this. Obviously, <laughs> I, that, that wasn't about then and that's that and I just did the best with what I had. It's only the same as what all ties do. They kick the pads, they, they do the running, they do the clinching, they do the sparring and stuff like that. 
It's interesting to see how the older ties are changing what they're doing. So, you, you, I mean, how much you can believe from what's being posted on social media, but you've got Borkow and Yodson Klai all doing more strength and conditioning now that they're older to try and keep in, in the game as well. So even the ties are kind of figuring out we can't just do what we were doing when we were younger. Almost like yeah. it, it worked, but it's kind of at, at the expense of my body a bit and I've got to be more efficient with what I'm doing now. And uh, can't get yeah. away with just training like that anymore. Yeah, especially when you're having 300 fights like those guys. How many training camps about to go through and stuff? Um, yeah, you, you're going to have to do that. I think Bukau's nearly 40 now. He's about 38, 39, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 39, four years older than me. He's 39. So yeah, if he's still in good shape as well. You can tell he's uh, he's doing his uh, S and C and a little bit more extra work and stuff like that. So yeah, and you need to do it when you're a bit older. You need to do that little bit extra and I'll be a bit smarter about how you're training. So that's as you're getting older, but also that, you know, that's something you've learned. If you were to kind of go back in time, you say you would kind of introduce that sort of attitude and training method right back at day one. If, if that was available to you back then, that would be yeah, something yeah. you'd change. 100% yeah, if it were available, I'd be doing it definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny how things evolve, isn't it? Every, everything's kind of, it, it's, um, tradition's great. And, but there, there's this evolution that you should be paying attention to and, and just seeing what other things you can borrow in from other disciplines as well that, that work. Um, and I yeah. think that that's a, that's a bit of a, a, a problem re really with, um, Thailand being so traditional and the, the way the culture is to respect the elders, you don't question anything like that. Everyone just hands down what, how they were trained and, and coached. So it's, um, it's, it's slow to take hold over there, which of course is where all the eyes are, which means kind of everybody else is a little slower to take it on. Although I must say some, um, like the one championship and the fighters there are starting to kind of, well, again, it's showcased on social media a bit more, but you start seeing some other sort of training influences, don't you? Yeah. you see like Nong Ho's a champion of my weight now. You can see he's doing this and see all the time and stuff like that. He's uh, really smashing that. But again, these older guys who are doing it because like they, they need to keep themselves in that tip-top shape. Um, there's a lot of them doing it. Like all, a lot of fighters in one championship are a little bit older because they've got all the legends in there. Like obviously, Nongo, he's a little bit older. Obviously, I'm a little bit older. It's all guys who need to do that little bit extra. Mm. <laughs> and is that kind of in your sights now? All the all these fighters that are still competing and the and the just keeping an eye on the relative ages that they're managing to do it to. Is that your competitive side again, coming out like, oh, I'm, I'm at least doing that, I'm going to beat that? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, non he's 36, 37, Samir, 38, and they're both one championship champions at their, mm. their respective weight. Um, so, yeah, so if they can do it, I can see why I can't. And I saw somewhere recently as well, that that one championship title is is one you're, you're really keen to get, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, I've won everything else. Um, other than a stadium title in Thailand, I've literally won every decent title there is. So yeah, I'd like I'd like a shot at that. I think it suits my style in them small gloves. Yeah, um, definitely. I'd like a shot at that before I retire. But yeah, see how it goes. I think I need one more big win and then I might be able to get a good shot at it. And also, I guess if you feel like the um, the the weight classes and the way that's all addressed it also suits you very well, it's kind of a, a good a good kind of healthy promotion to be following, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. It's good money. It's good exposure. It's like I said, the weight and the, the style and the rules and how it's scored off fits my style perfectly. I think. Yeah, 
Okay, mate, that's that's brilliant. But just finally, what I just want to just hear from you. So if you were to give one piece of advice to anyone who wants to be as great as they can be, what, what would that be? Hmm. Believe in yourself, be disciplined. And yeah, I think believing in yourself is the main one. You have to be obsessed. I say this all the time about being obsessed. You have to be obsessed with what you're going to do. If you want to reach the pinnacle, you want to be the best, be obsessed with what you're doing. Um, give it priority over everything. Um, and I know that might sound a bit much like, but that's what I that's what I did, and it's what I still do. Like my training comes and my Muay Thai comes before more stuff in my life, really, because that's what I'm obsessed with. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, that but be obsessed, believe in yourself. Not the two main things. Do you know it's an interesting kind of balance as well? In that kind of as a fighter, it, you have to be kind of a bit more tunnel vision and looking after yourself although you know it's it's a solo sport there is a support team and all the rest of it you you really need to make sure when there's a fight coming up that you are being yeah. selfish really you have to be selfish don't you yeah. to make sure you're ready otherwise people will still steal your time that you need to be prepping of course it's a selfish game when you're going to be a fighter it's not them over in there getting punched in the face it's you so you have to be, make sure that you're going to be ready for it yeah and and then kind of the flip side to that is then the coach, isn't it? When all you're worried about is everybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, remember one of the reasons why I might I don't I've, I've, people say I hey, don't want you on gym. I said that's one of the reasons why I don't, I don't want that pressure of having all my own fighters because of how well I've been in my career. People might think, oh, Liam Harrison's fighters, I can't be dealing with that pressure. I don't want that. I just want to stay in bad company and help our fighters grow. You know, what I mean, I prefer to do that. Brilliant, stable there, mate. I mean, there's loads going on and I'm sure way beyond you kind of finishing what you're you're doing competitively you know your your input there is going to be going to be huge and inspiring everybody um thank you ever so much for for sharing what you shared with us today mate really appreciate it not a problem mate I've enjoyed it thank you for having me <laughs> cheers Liam you can find out more about Liam and his work from his website liamharrisontraining.com and you'll find him on Instagram at liambadco and of course, there's his clothing brand, 11th Commandment as well. And you'll find links to all of these with this episode. And if you found this valuable, please like, subscribe and share with someone else that it could help too. And I'll catch you next time.